the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. KPRZ, San Marcos Poway, and K29CR Encinitas. FM 106.1, North County. AM 1210, San Diego. KPRAZE. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on KPRAZE, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Come Together San Diego. Very, very, very special guest. And uh, he's become a closer and closer friend as time goes by. Ray Bentley, Maranatha Chapel. Hello, Ray. Hey, Kaz. (laughs) Great to be with you today. What a beautiful, gorgeous day. Yes, yes, yes. And when this is broadcast, my friend, we're pre-taping this, so we're pre-taping this around the election time. The election has just happened. This is the 4th of November, but we're broadcasting it on the 14th. So some of the things we may say, you go, oh, that's past (laughs) now, because things are moving pretty fast on God's timetable, aren't they? Yes, they are. (laughs) And But, you know, you've got a book that was just released just Uh, this many days ago. Yes, uh, it is called the Cyrus Mandate, and it it is actually part of a uh, five-book series I'm working on. So this is the third in the series, and it's called the Elijah Chronicles. Yes. It is co-authored with uh, Brock and Bodie Taney. Uh, I should say Bodie and Brock Taney. Bodie is the brilliant storyteller, writer. Uh, she, along with her husband Brock, have written, you know, the Zion Chronicles, many, many other yes, series, yes. For some 70 different novels over the years. Uh, they've sold some 35 million copies. So anyway, we partnered together because they've never written anything or a story uh, about the present. They've always written about the past. They're historians. Historians. Yes. And so, you know, especially Bodhi with her uh, Jewish messianic kind of background, um, she would write about especially World War II, mm-hmm. uh, the Holocaust, the rebirth of Israel, and then going back to the first century, the early believers, the Jewish believers, and what happened with them. Many beautiful stories, uh, and all of the history is actual. Uh, so they're kind of historic novels. Yes. But she had never, they had never written anything in the present time. So providentially, God brought us together, mm-hmm. and, and I was like, wow, I'm meeting one of my heroes. You know, yes. I've read your books, I've been so blessed, entertained. Uh, as well as edified and and learning so much. And then I was studying one night uh, for a service, and God spoke to me and said, hey, why don't you ask Bodie and Brock if they would like to partner with you and write, you know, from your prophetic vision of what's happening right now, everything that's accelerating, coalescing, but put it into a modern story of what's happening right now in America with Israel. So I called and asked them, hey, would you guys, you know, I know you've never done this, but would you prayerfully consider it? And they go, well, of course, we'll pray about it. They prayed about it. And they said, we're in. I love it. Now, so, how, how, much, how much of the seed of the content of the theme of the book did you have going in and give them any direction? I, I was, You know, when you partner on books and things like that, it's interesting to know yeah. who passes the t- baton when and why. Right. 
Well, you know, honestly, uh, they had this idea. The, the main character's name is Jack Garrison. Jack Garrison. And in reality, this is a very interesting guy. That, that guy's name comes from my wife's father. Vicky's dad's name is Jack Garrison, oh and his story is... Is he as cool as this guy in the it book? Is, it's as cool as this guy in the book. <laughs> he was, uh, he was, he's Jewish. Yes. He was raised Jewish. In fact, Jack's mom uh, was raised by a, a, a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi. But then, you know, through World War II, and, and he went to France, and he was part of the whole campaign over there. And anyway, somehow in coming back... He actually became a, a convert to Catholicism and, and to the gospel and yes. Christianity and married uh, Betty. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm starting to see some similar names so, going yeah, on here. So Come on. That's another name. The, the, the main Israeli girl that is attached to, to Jack. So if, let me just paint the big picture. Here's this guy, uh, a, kind of a young man, mid-30s. Uh, he had an early Christian background. A tragedy happens in his life. And like a lot of people— in those moments, you go, well, where was God? And, you know, sure. they kind of lose their faith. And that happened to Jack. But he's a very bright, articulate uh, young man. He gets sent to the Middle East. But because he has a certain skill set. He's got a very certain skill set. Yes. <laughs> I have a set of skills. I will find you. Uh-huh. Anyway, that's Liam Neeson. But anyway, uh, he uh, is sent to Europe. The, and this peacekeeping committee to to weigh in on the Middle East. So he's like, look, I don't believe in the Bible and old men with beards walking through the desert, yes. having visions of modern times. I, I don't believe in prophecy. But as Jack goes to Israel, this enigmatic, mysterious character mm-hmm. shows up in dreams and in visions when he's actually yes. awake and takes him on journeys. Yes. Back in time, back, back in, in history. Time. So one of my of, favorite characters, yes. by the way. Well, Bodhi had this brilliant idea of basically taking uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. where you've got, oh, yes. you know, the ghost of Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future. She said, let's use this Eliyahu, uh, which is Hebrew for Elijah. Yeah, where is that in the Bible? I yeah. mean, please. Coming of Elijah. So Eliyahu will take Jack into visions, and he'll be stepping into history past. Where he's there, they can't see him. And prophecies being fulfilled, or in the present, or even into the future. Yes. And anyway, Jack has this radical 180-degree turnaround where he goes, oh my gosh, everything I'd heard about and been told is literally happening, you know, in in my face. Yes. Uh, and then he gets assigned to this extremely beautiful Wonder Woman-ish, uh, Gal Gadot kind of young Israeli girl. And, then, and you're not saying that, that just in passing. You actually incorporate that into your book. That's what I love about the book. I mean, the, uh, yeah. I, when I was read the first in your series, I was going, you know, uh, I was loving Wonder Woman. This yes, is a story I just lo- loved reading yeah. that. And all of a sudden, I, I read your book and I go, hey, hey. Well, is that plagiarism? Or? No, it, it isn't. But, uh, but I'll tell you what, it was remarkable. And you carry yeah. that theme throughout. So it, it gives you a picture of, of, you uh, of, know, the, of the of Because Gal Gadot is Jewish and yes. she's beautiful and and uh, she was a Wonder Woman. So I got. Let me tell you, my favorite line in there oh. is when 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 uh, uh, Jack was going. I, I, I want to know. You know, I appreciate you and you saying that you're cousins with uh, with Wonder Woman. Uh, can you ascend to her level? And her her line was, "I taught her everything <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know. Taught her I, everything I pre- she knows." <laughs> yeah. So anyway, she is assigned to Jack while he goes on this. Uh, you know 
kind of government, uh, you know, being escorted around the land into very uh, secret places and all of that. And she's assigned to make watch over Jack and make sure that he doesn't get into trouble and that he's protected. And so a friendship begins, and then it, yes. it begins to blossom, and it grows and grows. And it's part of the romance of the whole. And, and I've been tracking this. You know, I, I consumed the first two, and then as soon as you said you had the next one, I, I, uh, I had to get it. Yeah, and uh, it's a great story. What am I holding in my hand? So yeah, you're holding the book. It's called the Cyrus Mandate. Yes, and. Um, so this is where basically Jack's going to be taken into a prophecy 2,500 years ago. And it's fascinating because in Isaiah, the end of chapter 44, going into chapter 45, God gave a prophetic word to the ancient Hebrew prophet Isaiah Yes, uh, in the 7th century B.C. And he begins prophesying and saying, hey, you're Cyrus by name. You are my shepherd. I have chosen you. Yes. Uh, you are going to lay the foundations of Jerusalem. Uh, you're going to lay the foundations uh, even of the temple. You are my anointed yes. one. Yes, And the word anointed in Hebrew is Mashiach, yes. you are which is Mashiach. Messiah. Yes. So you're like, well, wait a second, Jesus is the Messiah. But the word means an anointing. Anointed one, yes. Anointed one. Obviously, Jesus has the anointing of salvation, Savior, sure. King of kings, Lord of lords. But there are apparently, since God's the one who said this, other anointings. This was a governmental anointing and calling for a man. And what's fascinating is uh, this prophecy was written 150 years before before Cyrus was even <laughs> born. So there was no doubt a, a Jewish prophet that would have come up to him and said, hey, God knows about you, our God, the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He named you 150 years ago sure. through our prophet Isaiah. You're supposed to help us go back to Israel, back to Jerusalem, rebuild Jerusalem, help lay the foundation of the temple. So anyway, that's the, the basic backdrop of the story. And the other part, especially with the election and everything that's going yeah, on right on. now, is that the Orthodox Jewish community, as you know, we, that we are in touch with there in Israel— they have uh, a coin called the Cyrus coin. Right. That they it's, have it's patterned after the half shekel. Oh, yes. Yes. And it literally has a, a profile of the ancient character Cyrus, King Cyrus from ancient Persia. And then right next to it is the profile of President Donald J. <laughs> Trump. Let me ask you, when, when you all these things are going on in your mind, did you, did you make all these connections before you started writing, or as you're writing them, all of a sudden another revelation came, and you go, oh, I can work that in as well? Was it kind of, was, was the Holy Spirit on your shoulder going, Ray, <laughs> let me connect this? It's kind of like the Holy Spirit is taking you to the same places that Eliyahu... Yes, uh, exactly. You know, well, look, Jack Garrison. You can't make this stuff up. And so... Uh, when you've got a coin, and this is not Christians, this is not prophecy sites, but it's basically Jews who see in Donald J. Trump a Cyrus-like character. Uh -huh. And um, so I, a lot of people don't even know that. You can Google it, you can look on it, you can even order one and get one. Yeah. I've got a couple of them. I got the gold version, I got the silver version. But it's like, wow, what in the world is this all about? I know. Let me ask you, you showed them to me. Yeah. Did you get both of them back? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <I> got it. <laughs> this, yeah. this mystery and other things we're going to talk about in the future segments. We're here, we're here for two full hours of the entire awesome. program. Yeah. We're going to talk about the book and also some of the, ram the symbolic ramifications yes. tied to the book and beyond when Ray Bentley and I come right back. 
This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Well, welcome back, my friends, and I welcome you you back not only on my behalf, but Ray Bentley, my co-host for this entire two hours on Come Together San Diego. And uh, we have... We've begin. We've begun uh, nurturing our friendship, and so it's okay for me to banter around yes. with him. And he does this. He does the same thing to me. And I'm keeping tabs. I owe him a few, so you may hear the payback on this broadcast. Go for it. Give it your best shot. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> loving your book, and Good. I have it right here. This, yes. The uh, Cyrus Mandate is the third of five. Yes. And it's just been published and uh, uh, being distributed. Yes. While, we, while I have you here, why don't you just give me a website or information yeah. so people can find out more well, about it? Well, uh, the basic one is these days everything goes through Amazon. So go on Amazon and, and into the books and look up The Cyrus Mandate by Ray Bentley and Bodie Taney, the yes. famous author uh, along with her husband Brock. So Bodie is kind of the storyteller, uh, brilliant, brilliant storyteller. Brock, her husband, is a historian, researcher, comes up with all kinds of fascinating things. Uh, Bodhi's got a background as a Messianic, you know, Jewish believer in Jesus, has already written a lot about that. But this is a current story of what's happening right now in Israel, in America, the Cyrus Mandate, uh, prophecy, history, uh, you know, the the gospel, romance, it's got it all. It's awesome. One of the things I appreciate about Scripture, Ray, is in uh, Ecclesiastes, it says that which was, is, and that which is shall yeah. be, because there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. So if we're Bible students and we 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 understand that scripture, everything we read yes. has current value. Absolutely. And uh, you know, so again, you can go on Amazon. And by the way, if you like it, and you know, you can write a nice little comment about it. Do that. <laughs> if you don't like it, just leave it alone. Don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bodie, I really like your partner. Ray yeah, is what, yeah. what's going to be something like that. Um, but you, you could also go to uh, raybentley.com and, and learn a little bit more about Maranatha Chapel, the ministry, my teachings, and so forth on radio and, uh, and other books uh, that we have, the other two books that well, are there in the you, you say the other two books, and you're so, shortchanging okay, yourself. So, yeah, let me, so the first one is called On the Mountain of the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's, that's book number one. That really sets the stage of the characters. Jack Garrison, Bette Diekman, the Israeli beautiful, uh, uh, you know, kind of guard policewoman that is protecting him. And uh, it, it sets the whole stage and the whole story um, and brings you right into the action. And then the second one is called The Threshing Floor. Yes. And, and what we're really moving to is, first of all, you know, America, Israel, the mirror of one to the other. Sure, and the other Middle East countries. And, the the yeah, whole tension the is going on there. The Middle East story and drama going back to the days of Abraham. And then it begins focusing more and more on Jerusalem and then inside of Jerusalem, literally the Temple Mount. And as you know, Kaz, the, the Temple Mount, Mount Moriah, was originally a threshing floor yes. uh, that was bought and purchased by King David as the place to put the temple. Now, a lot of people are like, what What does a threshing floor have to do with the temple? Well, you everything. I, I, everything. Yes. Everything, if you know how to look. And we are in what I would call a threshing floor moment. That's where you, you throw the wheat and the chaff up into the air. That's why you want to be on a mountain where you've got a breeze mm-hmm. in the in the e- evening. And what it what the breeze does, the wind is separates. It's a mm-hmm. time of separation. The chaff, which is you know fluff and 
to be burned and the wheat which mm-hmm. falls to the ground. And so literally what a beautiful picture of what happens when we come to the mountain of the Lord into the presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. God begins to separate out those things that are the wood and the hay and stubble, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and purifies his people, and we come into a dynamic, intimate relationship with him. So the story rages on uh, you know, through the threshing floor. Then now we're into the third book, which is literally happening right now, the Cyrus mandate. We've got the Cyrus uh, president that, that is designated by many Orthodox Jewish people as a fulfillment of the of ancient Cyrus. Uh, yeah, ancient Cyrus. Yes, uh, they, many, when you think about that, that they identify him as a Cyrus yes. individual. You know, I've heard other people say that as well, but am I also understanding that Benjamin Netanyahu uh, helped yes, coin yes. that phrase I, on his behalf? Absolutely. I, I believe that uh, Netanyahu called him a Cyrus-like character, uh, which basically from the first time the president came into office, one of the first things that he did was he moved our embassy from Tel Aviv, where we had it, to Jerusalem. And what's significant about that is uh, that, that you know each country around the world gets to pick their capital. Yes. Except for Israel. Well, Israel, yeah. And so they, you know, so back in 1995, uh, this is when both, uh, you know, within the Congress, both uh, Democrats and Republicans came together and agreed. Now, how often does that happen? <laughs> I mean, rarely, right? But they actually agreed, a left side of the aisle, right side of the aisle, however you want to describe it, that we should move our embassy from Tel Aviv, uh, which is just a coastal city, to the designated capital of Israel, which is Jerusalem. So they made the decision. But they made a decision, too, that, well, let's wait six months before we sign the deal, and maybe peace will break out between the uh, the Jews and the Palestinians. Mm-hmm. So they waited six It didn't happen. Well, let's kick the can down the road another six months. And so the can is the pretty can, dilapidated by then. The can has been destroyed. Yeah. From 1995 <laughs> to 2017, they had been kicking the can down the road. And finally, so it wasn't President Trump's idea. I, I think that's important for people mm-hmm. to realize. Sure. He didn't think of it. He didn't originate it. All he did was say, look, you guys made the decision, but nobody has pulled the trigger. I'm pulling the trigger. I am designating. We're moving the United States embassy, which is extremely powerful. We're the most uh, you know, powerful nation uh, militarily, eco- economically, et cetera. It carries significant weight. We're moving the embassy to their declared capital, Jerusalem. Now, you say that he didn't, re- he wasn't really uh, trying to follow a pattern or anything. God just stirred him in that way. But uh, what do you? What's your take on how, how could you come up with the Abrahamic Accord? I mean, no. I mean, well, I, all of a sudden, all these things, you know, they're prophetical. It reminds me of of, of uh, Jesus with. John, and he says, who do you say I am? And he goes, you are the, the son of the living God, and so forth and so on. And he said, you didn't even know that. The yes. Holy Spirit gave it to you. And I think that's what God does with us as well. Yeah. And my listening friend, he will wants to do that with you. And sometimes you go, I have a sense about doing something, and, and I, you know, I've been praying and things like that. I've got a sense about doing something, and all of a sudden you realize it is exactly the right thing to do at the right time for the right purpose. Mm-hmm. And God wants to do that more and more in our lives. Yeah. And you, your guy... Uh, uh, Jack Garrison and our, our guy, uh, Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, uh, may have had those same. Yeah. Yeah, I think he got led into this, and he, you know, he thought it was a good idea. What's interesting is that 
when he came into office, and so he, you know, we have a very close, uh, long history, special relationship with Israel. We were the first nation, uh, you know, back in the day to to declare that we voted for yes. uh, the creation of the state of Israel. And that was Harry Truman, which also was called a Cyrus for yes. that decision back in his day. So, and so we're talking 1948. And um, so, but every president has tried uh, to bring peace between the Israelis and the Jews and the Palestinians. Right. Um, and they have, you know, tried and failed, basically. In fact, can I input here that I, my observation is I've watched this progress through the years, through the decades. Um, this was anybody who had an alternate uh, strategy to do this, it's not not well advised. It'll never, never work, yeah. they say, about a process with the Palestinians that was never, never working. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's never going to work, but let's continue yeah. doing this and but, fail. But they all tried, and we don't fault them for that. I, I appreciate all of the presidents, whether uh, Democrat or Republican, that wanted to. I think sure. everybody wants peace. But, and, but, the, but the premise— was let's make peace with Palestine, yes. the Palestinians yeah. first, and, destroy and them. then yeah. that will draw the other uh, right, uh, the other nations, the other Muslim nations. Yes. Together. So uh, what I think when when President Trump came in, he he has a different approach than the traditional, uh, you know, Republican Democrat idea of you can say how to do things. <laughs> you can say he, he that comes with again. a business approach. So you know, here's my summation of how he you know, summarize everything. He goes, look, it, to put it in football terms, you guys have called the same play uh, a thousand times <laughs> and never changed the play, and you've never gained one yard. He goes, I'm, I'm going to make a decision here. We're not going to call that same play. We're not going to, we're going to do something different. We're not going to start with the Palestinians. We're going to invite them, let them be at the table, but that's, we're going to actually go to other countries who for a variety of reasons already want immediately right now and are willing to enter into relations with Israel, normalization with Israel, and to come into it. And he and it worked. He flipped the script upside down, and it literally worked. And probably because of his business acumen, that uh, played a big role in it because he actually knew how to make— he already yeah. had relationships with right. many people in in not only the Jewish world but also the, the Arab world. The but Arab world. You remember when he became the uh, president? The first place he went, I believe, was Saudi Arabia, and he mm -hmm. called a lot of those Gulf nations together. He said, "Hey, we need to talk." And I think he was planning even then. I do too. So we're going to talk more about this. We've just opened the gate and mm. the floodgate. And flood has a lot to do with this too. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But uh, Ray Bentley and I will be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. My name is Jim Garlow. Two things. First one negative, second one positive. Negatively, if we saw the condition of our nation, we would all be in prayer. Positively, if we could see what God could do with our nation, we'd all be in prayer. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Well, my friends, back again with Ray Bentley, Maranatha Chapel, an author of many, many books. The most recent book series is, is we're calling it the uh, Elijah, the Elijah Chronicles. Chronicles. Yeah. Yes, and the third of... 
This you is, said five. Yeah, the third of five. Right in the middle of the whole story with the Cyrus mandate is number three. Just out, fresh out, brand new out, available on Amazon.com, RayBentley.com. And I'm telling you, this is a story that you are going to just chew up and, and read. Uh, and it's current. It's fresh. It's everything that's happening right now in America, what's happening in Israel, what's happening in the world, what's happening prophetically. Yes. It's a great story, a great ride, but a lot of history and truth and prophecy and biblical stuff all camouflaged in there as well. Yes. You told me, and I heard an interesting story from you, and that is you were still working on the book, and all of a sudden you have hands across the table in in, in Israel with the yes. Arab nations, yeah. and you were just finishing yes. up the book, and so you decided you we, needed to put that right in there. And did. how perfect timing. I mean, literally <laughs> days before, uh, you know, when, when they were just getting ready to lead up to this whole Abraham Accords. Now, this is unbelievable. I mean, it's one thing to go back to 70 years ago or so when Israel became a nation. It's another thing to go back to the days of Jesus, 2,000 years ago, the birth of the church. We're talking now, we're going back 4,000 yes. years. Abraham is 2,000 B.C. Yes. Uh, and, and he had the sons, Isaac, the son of promise and the covenant, and then he had another son named Ishmael that became all ultimately of the Arab nation, Saudi Arabia, yes. Arabs, the Gulf nations. And now we have a, a treaty uh, that is literally called a peace treaty, an accord that is called Abrahamic. And you have nations that, that have never really been able to come together, the sons and descendants, sons and daughters and descendants of Abraham uh, through his wife Hagar and then Keturah and other of the concubines that he had that became multiplied, and, and millions and millions of Arabs uh, are now wanting to normalize and make peace with Israel right now. It's incredible. And, and it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. One, I did a, um, a documentary three or four years ago um, about Israel uh, and uh, Palestine and the anti-Semitism that was going on there. And the the whole attitude, and I, I can't speak for the other Arab Nations, but I can tell you, with Palestine, there is a ingrained hate mm. in a, in a very significant way. And so, you know, when you you know, all these different people in times past had the strategy of going to Palestine and make peace that way, and then going yeah. the other directions. That's really you, you you know by just stepping back, that's not likely to happen because uh, Palestine and the Palestinians are so ingrained in Hamas as well, mm-hmm. are so ingrained in the hatred mode. In fact, uh, they try to use the funding from Israel to pay for. Uh, people that have been put in jail by mm-hmm. the Israelis because of terrorism. Right. And so they use the, the uh, Israelis' money to actually fund the families of the people that uh, uh, killed yeah. people uh, in Israel. I mean, it's that's pretty hateful. It, it is. But, you know, the, the Arab family is much larger than the Palestinians. <laughs> exactly. Uh, way, I mean, it's huge, and it extends to many, many other nations. I, I like to say that— um, you know, the whole issue between uh, the, the descendants of Ishmael and of uh, Isaac, you know, when, when God came to Abraham and, and he said, look, you're going to have a son. And, and it's not the one that you uh, and Hagar and Sarah got together and, you know, had this son. You know, it, it is another son that's going to be a miracle son in your old age. And he's the son of covenant. And Abraham said, but God, what about my son Ishmael? You can almost hear yes. the brokenness and the heart. Abraham loved his son, Ishmael. 
And God said, I've heard your prayer. And basically, right there in the very beginning chapters of Genesis, God adjudicated between these two sons of Abraham. He said, look, I've heard your prayer. I'm going to bless Ishmael. I'm going to give him 12 princes, which is basically 12 nations. Exactly. And the, the common denominator is the 12 and the 12. Yeah, I mean, the 12 that, and the 12. That, that's how it works. Yeah. So, but here's what's interesting. The 12 princes become 12 nations. Yes. And then he said, but I'm going to give Isaac 12 tribes, tribes yes. but they only get one nation. Oh. So God literally gave Ishmael 12 times the number of nations that he gave to Isaac. Yes. Isaac had 12 tribes, but he only had one nation. Yes. And if you look up today how many Arab nations there are in the world, it's actually not 12. It's like 22 or something. So yes. they And they have 300 times, yes. the descendants of Ishmael, 300 times the size of land that Israel has. Yes. I mean, God bless them. And they've got oil, and they've got natural gas. I mean, he gave them all Camels? Yeah. But he Sand? Gave, he gave to <laughs> Isaac one nation. Yes. And, you know, so you could say, well, that's not fair. Yeah, it's not fair that they got 12 and he got one, but it is fair in the economy of God. And so what, what happens is that today, you know, why are the Arab nations wanting to make peace with Israel? Why did the United Arab Emirates uh, and Bahrain say, we want to normalize relations, we want to enter into this Abraham Accord, uh, along with Saudi Arabia says we're in line too. To put it real simply, it's like this. Saudi Arabia is the kind of the top of the mountain of the Arab sure. world. They have Mecca and Medina, Medina, yes, right? So they've got the, the treasure, top two places for the Muslims in the entire Muslim world. But they had this, this little red dot on their chest. You know, when you, you kind of yeah, size exactly. up for the kill shot, you got the little yeah. red laser. And, and then that, look over to the horizon, yeah. and they see a place yeah. called, in the old, old times, it would be called Persia, but now uh, it's yeah, called... Yeah. Iran. <laughs> so, so what, you know, people don't, you know, they, this is very simplified, but 85% uh, of the Muslim world are Sunni Muslims. Right. And that's what Saudi Arabia would be, many of the Gulf nations. 10 to 15% are called Shiite. Yes. And that's Iran. Yes. So um, they have radically different theologies. Exactly. Totally. And, and really, one wants to take over the other one. So anyway, Iran has this red laser light. If people will remember, it was only a few months ago that Iran sent drones to destroy oil fields in yes. Saudi Arabia. Yes. Why? Well, you know, and so, you know I, I'm a kind of a history buff too. There's a place called the Strait of Hamuz, mm -hmm. and that is a place where the oil tankers go, right, exactly. and that's where they would be right. a pot shot at, yeah. and, and, and actually, you know, uh, the... Um, Iranians would actually capture some of the vessels, and some of them were English vessels. We had some altercations there in United States vessels yeah. as well. So this this is exactly the same. Yeah. So now if if we were to go back to the 70s, then Saudi Arabia, they know that Iran wants to come and take them out. And so they go, but if it was in the 70s, they go, but look, we have our big brother, the United States of America. We're under their nuclear umbrella yeah. of protection. Iran mm -hmm. can't touch us. Why? Because at that time— uh, America economically was interdependent on the Gulf. Yeah, it's oil. called oil. O I L. And so we were we would protect them. But guess what? In 2020, we don't need one drop of oil. 
from Saudi Arabia or any other Gulf nation. We're an oil exporting nation. And may I just say, I pray that in 2021 and 22 and beyond, we're also self-sufficient <laughs> yeah. in oil. So we, we have that. And then we have, right now, we've had a policy uh, that we don't want to go fight other people's battles. Right. So you're on your own. So Saudi Arabia is feeling very vulnerable. I've asked people this question, Kaz. Uh, if Iran, either by the threat, because they're, they're very close to getting nuclear weapons, so you can use that either by threat or use, mm-hmm. who would be the first people they would go after? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people want to ask them, oh, Israel, Israel. My, my first thought would have been Israel. Yeah. But, and, but as you and, laid it out, yes. I think I got a different answer now. Yes. And then if you say no, then they go, well, then it must be America. Well, the answer is no again. The number one target from Iran would be Saudi Arabia. And you say, well, why? Because their goal is to make a, an Islamic caliphate of the whole world. Yes. How can you make the whole world come under Islam if Islam itself is divided. That's right. So they have to take over or control Mecca, Medina, Saudi Arabia, Sunnis, and conquer with their Shiite eschatology of end times. Yes. Unite the Muslim world, number one. Then, number two, you go after the little Satan. Then, number three, you go after the big Satan, America. Yeah. So that's why, you know, Saudi Arabia is feeling very threatened, very vulnerable, and now they're going, well, who else do we have in our neighborhood who also has that red laser light of, of a threat of nuclear Iran against them. But? But that could also, we could come under their umbrella. And it's the Jews. Yeah, exactly. They go, hey. <laughs> they're, and, and not only it's the Jews in Israel, they got nuclear weapons. They're, we're related to them by blood. Yes, We yes, are yes. their brothers. Yes. We're in the Abrahamic family. Now, interestingly, this the uh, Arabians, the Arabs, have zero blood ties with the Iranians. So, uh, you know, they they have motivations for why Absolutely. they want to build this relationship. We're going to talk a little m- okay. bit more about yeah, that, and we're going to dive into other things, because okay. now we're going to... You, you talked about the world stage from a historical standpoint. Now I'm going to have you go back to the same world stage on the book that you have written called The Cyrus Mandate. And my friends, this is going to really be enticing to you about this, because if you want to get scripture and uh, get it in kind of a way that is uh, a different presentation you need to get you know like c.s lewis he wrote the yeah. scriptural stuff yes. but he couched it in a way that made even a lot of fun so yes. we're going to talk about that with ray bentley when ray and i come right back more come together san diego with Cass taylor is next on k praise come together san diego with Cass taylor on k praise Yes, indeed. Back again. Ray Bentley, my co-host. You know, I like to tell my the people that come on the radio with me, you're not a guest. Uh, you're a co-host. That mm-hmm. helps a lot of different ways. Number one is it gives you autonomy and gives you some priv- privilege that you may not have a- a- as, a- as a guest. Look, you're, you've got the wheel. Yeah, but... You're, you're driving the bus. Well, but the other piece I'm of the equation you. is I can just... I, since you're a co-host, I just hand the baton to you and I go <laughs> grab a sandwich and come back when you're finished talking. No, no, we're we're going to talk this through together. Believe me. Well, you know, we've had a good time talking yeah. preliminarily about your book, and you've yeah. spent some time talking about the Middle East, and we touched base a little bit on the peace process and the viability of Saudi Arabia and some of these other uh, Sunni yeah. nations. Yes, uh, because the Shiite version of Muslimism uh, has a target on the 
the uh, Sunni, Sunni yes, people. Uh, and so while they're supposed to be the same, each one has pitted themselves against the other. Right. And, and e- even though the Sunnis are more numerous, when it comes to more threatening, I would have to say it would be the Shiites. Yeah. And their, their, their focus of their location is in a very pivotal place in Bible landscape. Yes. So th- this is uh, coming to pass Today, as well, the same threat that was happening years and, shall I say, decades and, shall yes. I say, centuries and, shall I say, millennia ago yeah. and happening again now. But let's, all, let's bring this all back to your book and the Cyrus Mandate and your buddy called Jack Garrison, who's the, <laughs> the main character, one of the main characters <laughs> yes. in the novel. I'm handing the baton to you, Maestro well, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the, the Cyrus Mandate... Uh, follows the the life and journey and story of a man named Jack Garrison uh, and this beautiful young Jewish policewoman uh, special agent attached you know to Jack to escort him through Israel safely in and out of some very sensitive areas uh, militarily geopolitically etc and uh, so that that's part of the backdrop of this exciting romance that is yep. now really uh, coming into fruition. I got to tell you, when I was reading this, I was loving the the attitude between Jack and Ben, yeah. because, because you know, you have a woman as a bodyguard, and you're supposed to be a big <laughs> macho guy, yeah. and you've got this lady. Oh, man. She yeah. had her own reputation as well, didn't she? She definitely does. And she, <laughs> man, it's like, you know, like a woman, James Bond or something, uh, that is just out there taking care of, of Jack and the situation. So it's fun, and it's, a, it's really exciting. So I hope you guys will get it. I think you'll learn a lot, a lot of history, uh, geopolitical stuff, prophecy, uh, a great story. Bodhi is a great storyteller. Uh, Brock Taney is a great historian and uh, researcher. So you're going to love it. Yes. Now, now, the process between you handing the baton back and forth. Yeah. Did that? Did you come up with an idea and they just extrapolated yeah. on it, or was it vice versa, or a little bit of both? It was. So I will take something uh, prophetic, for instance, uh, Cyrus. Yes. And I will write them a paper of notes. So it's kind of it's not a sermon, but it's basically history, Bible, prophecy. And then I'll, I'll write that, and I'll send it to them. They will read it, digest it, uh, do some research on it, call me, ask me questions, and then they will weave it into the story of Jack and Betty. I love it. So love it's it. a lot of fun. We just have a blast oh, going sounds, back and forth. Like a lot it. of laughing and a lot of, you know, what about this? What about that? And we come up with a variety of scenarios, but uh, and they're just brilliant at being able to bring those things together. Yes. And speaking of partnerships, I want to pull back a little bit because my listening friends, you know, every time we do a show, I try to take the content of the guest or the co-host and say, what can we learn from that person's lifestyle and experience? Mm. And so, Ray, what I want to do right now, just for a moment or two, just as you've learned to collaborate with other people, our listeners are saints, many of them are saints as well, mm-hmm. and they may have a piece of a, an idea. It could be a story or it could be a vision or a, a, you know, a, a widget, whatever it is, and they can't take it to completion without partnering with somebody else. So right. as you have learned how to right. partnership with yes. these people, uh, I want to stir you, my listening friend, whatever vision you have, and you go, this has been sitting in, in my closet for a thousand years. Thank you very much. Yes. It's time to blow the dust off that thing. And maybe somebody else to your left and to your right or somebody who you're about ready to meet at the grocery store or at work today may have a piece of that puzzle. Yes. Mention it to them, and all of a sudden you might find yourself in a in – a, 
you know, a remarkable story as well. Yeah. You know, I, I want to encourage people that do writing. Uh, it, it doesn't matter whether it ends up in a book or published. These days, uh, basically, you, you can write poems, stories, testimonies, Bible studies, history, lessons, uh, things that you've learned that can be shared with your family, with your friends, and then through social media. I mean, literally, the, the world has access uh, with a few simple keystrokes to whatever it is that God may be giving you. So I, I encourage you to write. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a, the prophecy that says to write the vision, make it plain, so that he who read it reads it, can understand and run with what they're given. Yes, but you forgot a key word there. This yeah. has been, been one, of, one of my key scriptures, too. And it says, my listening friend, he, it's Hebrews chapter 3, I think, and it says, though the vision tarry, mm-hmm. wait for it. You know, and a lot of us, and I can have to raise my hand on this, Ray, we have ideas and visions and things like that, but God has said, tarry. Sometimes it's a matter of uh, you just have to wait on things <clears throat> for their time to come, or sometimes you have to wait on things for your time to come, or sometimes you have to wait on things for the people with whom you are going to be interacting time to come. Yeah. So so it's a matter of maturity for us to just go, okay, I've got this, I'm burning to do it. Sometimes we burn and burn out on that <laughs> kind of a thing, and then we, yeah. then we just never attend to it again. Yeah. God wants to find that balance yeah. as well. Don't, and do, yeah, don't give up on it. Uh, Kaz has a saying, he's always saying to me, you know, I'm going to put that on the shelf. So, okay, so you write it. Uh, you, you, you put it on the shelf, and God may have you take it off the shelf at a later time as you wait on the Lord. That'll really be meaningful. Yes. So, But then again, I've confused that with a scripture that says you should deny your shelf. <laughs> oh, man, bad. Where, where's the drummer hitting the rim, the, the rim shot? So that's why I got one of, one of my jokes, even with you. I've got <laughs> so about four or five more to go in the show. Ray Bentley, you're a remarkable guy. And how you can balance the multitude of things that you do is amazing. We're going to talk a little bit more about the book, but I also want to dip into the life and lifestyle of Ray Bentley because you've got a big church. You're one of the, you know, and I know this won't make your head swell because you're a humble, down-to-earth guy, but you, you uh, pastor one of the largest churches in San Diego County. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you've got uh, a staff of, uh, well, I'm counting them, are they a staff uh, of thousands? Uh, no. Tens of thousands? Uh, no, we, we probably have 75 <laughs> yes. or 80 on staff. But but, but we, we have, also, we have a school. Yes. And I want a little plug for our school, since everybody else, many of them are shutting down, ours is open, and it goes from pre-K all the way through the 12th grade Maranatha Christian Schools yes. up there in the North County area, uh, Forest Ranch. Uh, we've got over 900 kids. Uh, it's an awesome school, and uh, we've got 125 or so uh, people that work there as well. So it's amazing. And yeah. uh, so this is just one of the other things that you've got going. Of course, you're, <laughs> you're an author as well. Um, and one of the things that I really loved from you earlier on when I found out about you is that you just have such a heart for Israel and oh, being in Israel. Yeah. How many times have you been in Israel? You know, I I've lost count. Um, you know, it's probably uh, close to, you know, it's over 20 times, yes. maybe 30, yes. somewhere in there. And you've developed friendships there. Many friendships. And some of oh, the friends are uh, Messianic Jews. Some yes. of them are Orthodox are Jews. Yes. And some of them are just Jews that they don't know what they are. <laughs> yeah. And then other Jewish. Pe- <laughs> Jewish. And so uh, many others just are, yeah. you know, other people that uh, maybe minister there yes. or things like that. What a, what a wealth. What a yeah, wealth of I, relationship. Uh, well, I love... Uh, Israel, and, and I love the Jewish people, they are central to God's... If you want to know what is God saying, what is God doing, 
look at the Jewish people, and now we can even look at the nation of Israel to know what time it is, uh, which I think is it's late, which means the king is coming, the bridegroom's on his way. So, you know, we're living in tremendous times. Yes, yes, yes. And you brought some of this tremendous time content from into your book as well. I'm, I, I know you and I've already read the first two, and I'm about four or five chapters into this one as well. And I see where you're going as far as we know in, in the real world right now, one of the primary things that has to happen right now in this time frame is not only the, the signing of the accord, that, that yes. was fulfilling Scripture, but when that happened or happens, we know that the temple has to be built. Yes, uh, that. Now now you're, you're at the, uh, the heart of, of it all, um, and, and that, I believe, is the headlines that are going to be blowing the minds of the world in the future, and I believe in the near future. Actually, already in the Abraham Accords, you and I have talked about, there was an article by Al Jazeera. Al yes. Jazeera is a Muslim, uh, kind of a CNN news site, and they were, they were kind of bringing an article uh, talking about this Abraham Accord, and they were trying to bring the attention of the world to say, hey, hey, do you guys realize what's in you know, the weeds of, of this agreement is the opportunity for the Jewish people to be able to worship and pray on Temple Mount. Yes. Now that is powerful. And we're going to talk more about yeah. that, my listening friend. Now, you know, there, when you in the United States right now, you can look at the news. You won't see much about Israel. Mm. But the truth of the matter is when God looks at his calendar, when he looks at his newspaper, his spiritual newspaper, Israel is always in the headlines. Yes. And so we're going to take a look at news from God's perspective and uh, tie it to uh, Ray's third of five books in his series called The Cyrus Mandate, when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. KPRZ, San Marcos Poway, and K29CR Encinitas, FM 106.1, North County, AM 1210, San Diego, K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Hello, my friends. Back again for the second hour with friend and co-host for this Come Together San Diego broadcast, Ray Bentley. And I knew we were going to have a fun time when I got together with him because we, we have a lot of things that are dear to both of our hearts all at the same time. So I can finish his sentences. Yeah, uh, we can. And, but but I, I, he doesn't let me do it while he's preaching. Uh, no, well, I, I've noticed hey, you, that. Hey, you get in there and you blow your shofar <laughs> a lot of times, which is great. <laughs> so we're talking about the Abrahamic Accord and um, – you know the war and peace issues and the building of the temple and things yeah. like that. And we were in the last segment. We were talking a little bit about in your experience in Israel itself and all the friends that you've made there. And now let, let let's dip into where we are in in biblical history right now and maybe how your book really has dealt with it. I, you, you, what was the other book that you wrote about the the the, the dates and times and the well, feasts the ho- and festivals? Uh, the, the Holy, Holy Land, Land Key. key. The, yeah, Key. the Holy Land Key basically is kind of a big picture of what I, as a Christian pastor, have learned from our Messianic Jewish brothers and sisters. Yes. Uh, which was new to me starting in about, uh, well, early 2000, but then it really exploded when I met Mark Biltz. Yes. 
a Jewish Messianic pastor. Who's living in the war-torn area of Seattle. Yeah, right. yeah I know. <laughs> but he was the first one that really gave me insight into the feasts of the Lord from Le- Leviticus 23. Uh, these seven feasts that go from Passover all the way to Tabernacles. And I knew them on a surface level. I did not know or appreciate how deeply they were uh, and, and how much they're all for believers. Yes. I, I looked at, you know, he said, look, Ray, what, why don't you, why don't Christians celebrate the Feast of uh, Trumpets? And I'm like, I've never heard of a church celebrating the Feast of Trumpets. Why would we? Uh, what, so what is the Feast of Trumpets? Oh, yeah, that's Rosh Hashanah for the Jews. I go, well, that's for the Jewish people. And he goes, wait a second. He goes, now, do you guys uh, have a Good Friday service? I go, well, yeah. He goes, so you, you celebrate Passover? Well, yeah, yeah, that's communion. And then you have an Easter service, right? Mm-hmm. And I go, yeah. And he goes, so that's first fruits, right? That was uh, literally. And you ever have a Pentecost service? And I said, well, yeah, we believe in the gifts. And so, yeah, we've done that. He goes, great. Those are all the feasts in the spring. And the church does them. But there are three more that are in the fall. Well, actually, and I don't know whether you, how well you dug into the middle one as well, but that, I know you're going to go to the Feast of Tabernacles, but before yes. you do, I, I need to bring this up as well because the, one of the feasts that we, we Christians should really, really embrace as our birthday is a feast called Shabbat. It yes. happens 50 days, yes, Pentecost, Pentecost yeah. 50 days <laughs> after the, the, the Passover time right. frame. Yeah. And, you know, when people go, oh, yeah, this is this is Pentecost Sunday, they go, uh, they have no clue that right. that is actually something that happened during Moses' day. Yes. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai delivering the law, yeah. and all of a sudden on the same day, the Bible says, yes. Book of Acts, when the when the Feast of uh, Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one room in one accord, yes. and all of a sudden, but we in the church, you know, I, I, I will embrace you know, the, the Pentecost Sunday or Shavuot, and I'll go to the end of these churches that I visit or attend. I go, do you know what today is? They go, yeah, it's Sunday. We do church on today. And I go, this is the church's birthday yes. today. And so very few people actually even know yes. that, Ray. Yeah. I mean, and it's there, right there in Acts chapter 2, when Peter stood up and preached, the Holy Spirit fell, came with a tremendous sound uh, I think like a hurricane, a rushing mighty wind. So I'll do the sound effect. Which, and it gathered tens of thousands of people, and then Peter was able to preach the gospel, and 3,000 got saved. Yes. So what's interesting is the first Pentecost, as you mentioned, is when the law was given, the Bible says 3,000 people died. And so this was a flip-flop. So this was a flip. Uh, and because so think of this when the apostle paul writes in the new testament the letter of the law kills he it was literally not just a euphemism when when god gave the commandments and the people he put a fence around the mountain don't get too close or my glory might break out and they would die well people didn't listen and they went too close and three thousand died yes but on this pentecost three thousand three thousand get <laughs> saved so the letter of the law kills but the spirit gives Life. So what you can say is the spiritual application of the letter of the law is life-bearing. Yes. In, 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 in every yeah. facet. In every facet. And literally, what, what is it bringing to life? It is bringing the commandments of God yes. to life uh, in our own hearts, but now by the power of the Spirit. 
It gives us the desire, new desires from the inside to want to follow God, and then it gives us the strength and power to walk in that sanctification and holiness. So let me, let me let me talk about this from a from a natural standpoint with other believers. You know, there are a lot of believers that go, "Okay, I'm going to diligently read the word because I know I'm supposed to be reading the word and things like that." And until God breathes on it, it's just kind of hanging there. Yeah. And what God wants us to do in every facet, you know, do we do we love the Lord? Yeah, we love the Lord. Uh, as I you know, I love him in the gospels and I love the things the Bible promises. But do you have that intimate relationship. I have a relationship. No. Do you have that living, breathing relationship? Mm. It's the difference between the letter of the law, which kills, and the spirit of the law, which brings life. Right. So do you have the life component? And a lot of people will go, you know, I see other people that do, but I don't really uh, have it yeah. myself. And yeah. many people in the church are that way, and God's saying, it's time to wake up. It's time to be yes. shaken up, because God's got big plans for YOU, especially in these days. Isn't that right? Yes. Uh, pa- Pastor Ray? Yes. And yes, I mean, we've talked about how in Leviticus 23, it says these are the feasts of the Lord. Yes. Uh, And as Mark Biltz pointed out to me, it doesn't say these are the feasts of the Jews, though at that time they were. He said, but they're the feasts of the Lord. So if he's your Lord, these feasts are for you. Um, So, you know, yes, we have Passover and we we do a good Friday service. Literally, the, the word feast means divine appointment. Yes. So there's seven of them. All seven of the feasts point to and are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Yes, yes, yes. But yes. the church has only done the first four, which are fulfilled in the first coming and then the birth of the church. And and that sometimes passively. Yeah, and yeah, and without you know much depth of understanding or appreciation. You know, one of the things that you said that I want to just launch off a little bit here in this segment, and that is um, – the letter of the law kills and the spirit brings life. Right. And if we, you know, you also mentioned that this is not the feast or festival of the Jews. Right. This is a festival of God. And if yes. you're God's kids, Amen. then we need to really comprehend what this means. Yes. And so have we done that? You know, I, a lot of people that I talk about when I talk about the feast and festivals, they go, oh, that's Old Testament stuff. <laughs> I'll, I'll pass on that. Yeah. Big mistake. Big and mistake. especially yes. in many facets of big mistake. But one facet is you are missing the yes. depth of God's word that all you need to do is to dig into the, the precepts and, and God's directives on the feasts and the New Testament and Jesus' oh, parables, it, yes. but they will come to light like never before. Yes. So, exactly, and you were talking about how uh, these feasts were something that people would do, you know, since the days of Moses. Yes. So the word feast means divine appointment, and in Leviticus 23, verses 1 and 2, it says, they shall be holy convocations, and that phrase in Hebrew means rehearsals. I love it, I love it. So from the time of Moses until the time of Jesus on Friday, Good Friday, uh, Israel had been rehearsing Passover for 1,500 years. 1,500, you might call it dress rehearsals mm-hmm. with real lambs. And now this year, all of that rehearsing is for the real, where it goes from rehearsal to reality. Yes. And on the literal day of the divine appointment of Passover, the first feast, Jesus was crucified as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin. The second feast is the second day, the second divine appointment. And that's where unleavened unleavened bread. Jesus is in the tomb with unleavened. It can be a type of sin. So he's without sin, literally, again, on the divine appointment. And the scripture says, he who had no son became sin on our behalf. Yeah. 
And then day three is the it, feast of first fruits. First fruits. And it's literally the first three feasts are three days, three divine appointments in a row. Yes, but when you read through Scripture and you just, you're just you brushing past the New Testament and things like that, you see Jesus is my, the first fruit yeah. of them who slept. And you go, yeah. that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you, when you, when you comprehend that this is tied yeah. to Bible yes. feasts and truths, yes. then it makes all the more sense, doesn't it? Yes, he was the first to rise from the dead. <laughs> and then 50 days later, literally on the divine appointment of Pentecost, yes. the Holy Spirit fell. So if you're a Jew, 2,000 years ago, you look at the first four feasts. It's boom, 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 boom on the day of the first four feasts yes. of the Lord. So that sets the stage sets for where we're going to go in the next segment. Okay. And because we're going to talk about – because this the feast of uh, – Tabernacles with with its threefold components yeah. uh, plays a great deal of weight in your book. Yes, and we're going to talk a little yeah. bit about that, and we're going to bring it back to your book because uh, you're here to tell us a little bit about you know the Cyrus Mandate, yes. which is now out and around and is available on, on Amazon.com Amazon. or RayBentley.com. So. The Cyrus Mandate, and so we're going to talk more about those things when Ray Bentley <laughs> and I come right back. Woo-hoo. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K Praise with Kaz Taylor. Ray Bentley and I are here for another segment of Come Together San Diego. He's a handsome guy. I'm looking across there, and uh, and uh, I even laugh at a few of his jokes every once in a while. He's good at that as well. <laughs> so uh, he's a remarkable pastor uh, uh, at uh, the Maranatha Chapel, and you're located in? We're located in basically uh, Forest Ranch. Uh, they're near Rancho Bernardo and Forest Ranch area off the 15. Uh, at you know, I think I'd love for people to come and join us. We're yes. meeting uh, outside. Yes, uh, you know, so come and join us. You, you'll love it. So we've been talking about thing, all things Israel and all things. Uh, actually, we've been brushing past some political things that are going on in the world mm-hmm. as well and tying those to Israel. And you know, you also mentioned the phraseology of little Satan, big Satan. Yeah, uh, the Muslims, Arab mm-hmm. world, many of those uh, see have seen Israel as the little Satan yeah. and the United States as the big Satan. So, I yeah. mean, there has been some animosity there, and this new Abrahamic Accord seems to be helping to dissolve that, at least in some ways, and we're really hopeful for about that. Yeah, well, look, there there are, in the Abrahamic Accords, there is a whole wave, really, of the descendants of Abraham uh, through Ishmael and and through some of the other children that Abraham had, after Sarah passed away, he remarried uh, Keturah and had other children. So now, in the, for the first time in 4,000 years, we're seeing God bring these two uh, related families back together for such a time as this. And it's extremely exciting and encouraging. And we talked about uh, Shavuot, which, which is the Middle Feast. And I just came, yes. came, something came to my mind here. When did they get back together again? <laughs> They, it was the Abrahamic Accords literally happened uh, within hours of the Feast of Pentecost. Yes, but but didn't didn't uh, when when Abraham died? I, guess, oh, I, I yeah. was going way far oh, back. Okay, okay. When Abraham died, the brothers came together. Yes, it was at when Abraham passed away. Ishmael had gone on his journey, 
Isaac had gone on his way and his journey and their families, but the death of Abraham brought them back together. Mm -hmm. And so Abraham is the uniter. Yes. To have something, you know, in geopolitics called the Abraham Accord that strikes the name of a man from 4,000 years ago. Even as Christians, we call ourselves the sons and daughters spiritually of Abraham. And so this, uh, you know, involves the Arabs, it involves the Jews, it involves believers and Christians, uh, and the Jewish community, the Messianic believers, they believe this is the the beginning of great things of healing. So I I wanted to set the stage because God has patterns upon patterns upon patterns and wheels upon wheels upon wheels. And I mentioned this was also the time when Abraham died that brought people back. We talked about uh, the fulfillment of Shavuot or Pentecost was the letter of the law kills, but the spirit of the law brings life. So from one way of stepping back and looking at it, and God gives us a lot of freedom. He goes, I've put so much nuggets in there you can dig and see whatever yeah. you find somebody else may not have found that one but as i step back and look at that i go this is very much like a, the time in today's judaism where they have to balance the letter of the law with the fulfillment of the spirit of the law mm-hmm. and that's why yeah. it, it's going to be jew and gentile one new man yes and so we're, we're in those times right now and it's, and so uh when they've reunited when uh the uh, arabs basically, uh, came back at the same time uh, with uh, uh, Isaac. They, they, they came back to, to mourn the death of their yes. father, but there's, there's a trans. I won't say a death, but there's a transition from the letter of the law to the spirit yeah. of the law in these last days, yes. and God is a God of resurrection, so I think it's going to be the resurrected law and the resurrected spirit of the law yes. coming together, and that's kind of a picture of Jew yeah. and Gentile happening now. So we're in a very, very exciting time, yes. volatile from some perspectives, but exciting time, and you've been able to capture that in this book called The Cyrus Mandate. Yes. So let, we've sit, kind of tossed a bunch of things out about feasts and festivals and things about like that. So I, I would like you in, in the next few minutes to kind of tie all those things together as it relates to the Cyrus Mandate. But before you do, I want to give my listening friend a scripture that this really helped me understand there's a... Invaluable relationship between Old Testament and New and the feast and festivals. Not only the Jews embrace that, but all believers should embrace this. Uh, I think it's in uh, Ray. I think it's in Psalm eighty-nine, fifteen, around there. And this is the Amplified version. Let me let me share this with you. I'm just doing it from memory. But it says, "Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are those who know the joyful sound." And then parentheses of uh, the Amplified it says, "Who understand the spiritual significance." exemplified by the feasts, mm-hmm. they walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. Mm-hmm. So if we want to comprehend the value of the feasts, along with that will come blessings and uh, oh. empowerment and, and even to be envied. And I think uh, when, the, when you know, the Scripture talks about the, the Jews are going to become envious Mm-hmm. In, in these days, I think, or, or jealous. Yes. And I think this is, this scripture helps identify that as you and I, as Gentiles, embrace these feasts and the Jews go, yeah. hey, I thought those were mine. And you, it gives you a chance to say, yeah. well, they're ours. Yes. And uh, here's some things, nuggets that I got. How about you? And you don't even have to get into, uh, if you don't receive Jesus, you're going to die and go to hell kind of a thing. You just go, and here's what the scripture, I got from the scripture. And they go, and here's what I got from the scripture. And all of a sudden, Jesus is just going to naturally come up because he's the fulfillment of these things. Yeah. Yes. Well, since 2008, we started doing... Um, 
the Feast of Trumpets, which is Rosh Hashanah. Yes. The new Jewish New Year. And so that first year, we just said, look, to all the kids, we want everybody to come. We've never done this before. It was a Monday night in 2008, and we said, everybody come. We're going to have food, free food. We're going to have worship. Uh, We're going to talk about the coming of the Lord, and we're going to give every kid a little plastic trumpet that looks like a shofar. Yeah, but more than the kids grab them, I tell you. Yeah, because yeah, when you do course. that now, I had to grab one from myself. I, yeah. hope, I hope I don't get in trouble with a, no, no, with no, a no, lead no. pastor. And so, you know, look, we tell the kids, you you play the most important role of the whole night. At a, at the certain cue, I'm going to give to you. I want you to blow those little shofars <laughs> and make as much noise as you possibly can. Are you kidding me? That's like the dream of every kid. What? I get to go to church? I get to have, be with my friends. I get a trumpet. I get to make noise. Yeah, but they, they experience not only the law that their parents say, <laughs> keep quiet, but the spirit behind the law. Yeah. There's time for rejoicing. So you yeah. actually <laughs> you so, illustrated look, that. Look, since them. we started it then, we, we've had you know 3,000 people coming and more. Even this last year, we had to be outside because of the COVID virus or whatever. And uh, it was more people than we could have fit into our sanctuary. Yes. And what I've heard is that the Jewish community is saying, okay, look, I know about you know Christmas and Easter, but what in the world are Christians doing celebrating Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets? What's going on here? Yes. So it provokes a question, and we're like, well, look, hey, those are ours too. We appreciate them. We remember them. We honor them. And uh, so, yeah, it's been an exciting journey. Let me take you back just a few handful of days when you celebrate, because you you had, I was in I was in Washington D.C. at right. the time, yeah. where you were celebrating the uh, Feast of Tabernacles. It's called yeah. Yom Teruah, the blowing of yes. the of, of the shofar or the, or the trumpet. I was in in Washington D.C. with the return, uh, with our faces planted on the ground, re, you know, repenting yes. for everything. Yes. I, I did so on behalf of the churches and the pastors and the saints of San Diego County. But you were blowing, you know, you had the shofar, shofar blowing ceremony there, yeah. and things were starting to come to pass oh just every gosh. moment of oh, the, yeah. every day leading up to that and even in the middle of that. And all of a sudden, it was very clear that this was going to be a very special time. You know, yes. you, you talk about dress rehearsals, all these things. This you know, was becoming, no, lo- yeah. no longer the dress rehearsal. It was time to enter into the fullness of this yes. thing. It may come in stages, but speak to that a little bit and then tie that to your book, The Cyrus Mandate. Yeah, well, what we find is that, so God has these seven divine appointments. It's almost like Israel as a nation had a day timer, and, and <laughs> God told them, on these seven exact dates, I want you to be in my house. I don't care if you're from southern Israel Northern Israel, Eastern Israel, Western Israel, I want everybody to come home and be at my house in Jerusalem at my temple, and you've got to come three times a year to cover the seven feasts. Yes. And he says, if you show up, I'm going to show up. So we've been entering into those, and especially now, the last three feasts all occur in the fall. They're within about a two-week window, and it's Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, then Yom Kippur. Yes. The holiest day of the year, and then finally, culmination is tabernacles, time. and that that speaks of the kingdom age. Yes, that that speaks of the fulfillment of every prophecy, every dream, every vision, every fulfillment, heaven on earth. So uh, the church has been really good for two thousand years celebrating the this feast and the you know that talk about the first coming of the Messiah. We have for some reason been ripped off or ignored 
the feasts that are in the fall. Yes. But all three of the fall feasts are found in the book of Revelation. Yes, yes, yes. They're all fulfilled in the book of Revelation. The trumpets, uh, Yom Kippur, the day of the Lord, and then finally the tabernacles. The tabernacle. Yeah. We're going to talk more about that in the next segment as well when we come right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. This is Pastor Jim Heidrich from Firewheel Church, and I declare over San Diego that the goodness of God is going to crash in on you with the weight of his glory because he's moving with compassion. Yes, you believe in Jesus, but Jesus believes in you, and I just affirm you in your call to greatness in Christ Jesus. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Ray Bentley and Kaz Taylor are back, and we are thrilled to share with you what God is uh, revealing across the body of Christ, actually. This is not something in a little corner of the world that God is revealing. He's revealing it, and our eyes are just being opened, Pastor Ray. Yes. You, You know, it reminds me of the time in the early New Testament when the disciples were used to Jesus walking with them in a certain way, and all of a sudden he's gone, and it's a different flavor, yes. and all of a sudden they're downtrodden and, and brokenhearted, and all of a sudden Jesus is walking with the two guys on the Emmaus Road, yes. and he says, I, this is, I'm a fulfillment of those things that I taught you about face-to-face, now I'm going to show you the fulfillment, and the Bible says that, that Jesus told them that he was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and also the Psalms, yes. and, and when he began sharing these things, the scales fell from their eyes. Yes, and, and I, they and they said, my, did not our hearts burn within us when he shared and opened the scriptures to us. And I think we're in a time frame right now when another aspect of that is happening. The, yes. the scriptures that we've embraced, and, and rightly so, they are near and dear to our heart. But he's saying, those were just to set the stage for this one. Yeah. And, uh, and I think God's in the uh, scales dropping from our eyes mode right yes. now. And so I, I want to use this segment uh, for you to kind of tie all the strings together about the feasts and festivals of the Lord, and then we'll launch into some other things, and we'll show how not only does this impact you and everything that you do or say, my friend, but when you get into this, it's going to impact everything you do or say as well. Pastor Ray? Yeah, you know, I wanted to just fill in from our last segment. We were talking a little about the Feast of Trumpets, and, you know, it's interesting that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God shall sound. Uh, The dead in Christ shall arise, which literally in Greek means stand first. I think they're there, they're going to greet us, because the Thessalonians were worried, what about all the people that have died, and if we get, you know, caught up to be with the Lord, when do they get to end? And Paul goes, no, 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 they're going to be standing first, greeting you. The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout. The voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ shall stand first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. And that's where that word rapturos in Latin comes from. So whenever you fit that into your theology, but the rapture is when the church is caught up and we shall forever be with the Lord at that trump. I can't wait. That's what's next on God's calendar. And that's what, you know, every sincere believer has to, their heart has to just, uh, skip a beat when we think about Jesus coming back for his bride and yes. to rule and reign with his bride. I mean, th- this is why we yeah. were created in the beginning. And the question for our listeners, are you ready for that? Ooh. Because once the trumpet sounds, 
you can't get ready afterwards. You you got to be ready before it sounds. It says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, uh, that we're going to hear this trumpet. So the twinkle of an eye um, is faster than the blink of an eye. Some people misquote this and they go, oh, it's going to be in the blink of an eye. No, Jesus did not say in the blink of an eye. He said in the twinkle of an eye. A blink is actually longer than the twinkle of light in your eye. And they've actually estimated that a blink happens in 11 one-hundredths of a second. What? A, a blink is 11 one-hundredths of a second. A twinkle is faster than a blink. So what I'm saying is, how fast could it be that the Lord could come when he blows that trumpet? So fast that when you blink, by the time you've blinked and opened your eyes, you've already been in heaven for a little while. you <laughs> got to be ready now, brother, now, sister, oh. for the calling of the Lord. Oh, my, my, my. You know, so many times we go through eschatologically, we go through these different promises of God, and we, we are, I am have been engrossed in those things. But when you start to realize that this, we're in that time frame right now, and you know, it reminded me of the wise and the foolish virgins. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a time where you just can't just depend on other people. Amen. You have to dig out your own oil. Yes. And now is a time right yes. now. It may, I don't know how far along in this request for us to be digging, our, uh, digging out our own oil, yeah. but we're in the thick of the time right now. Now's so. the time to get ready, and he's coming in a twinkle, not a blinkle. <laughs> get ready, man. Come on, Kaz. Let's go. Preach it, brother. Yeah, exactly. So we've talked a little bit about the obvious clues. If you dig into Scripture, it becomes more obvious. You go, oh, these things are abstract. They're not abstract the more you get into his word. But also, God has given us patterns and types and shadows throughout his word. We just use one of the components that he uses. He uses the feasts and festivals. Yes. But that's only one of the mechanisms that he uses to communicate with us. You know, in, in Scripture, in Romans uh, one twenty somewhere in there it talks about uh, you. There's no excuse because he's given you these signs in in the sky and and all these different ways that he's given these things. So the truth of the uh, the the fullness of the Godhead uh, is before you and you have no excuse. Yes. So as we look through the Old Testament in particular and look into the, the signs and seasons that God has given us, not only in the feasts and festivals which were tied to harvest times, you know, uh, Passover was the, the feast of barley, the harvest of barley, and Pentecost was the feast of the wheat, and then the tabernacles is the harvesting of the oil and the wine or the yes. grapes and the olive. All, all these things are invaluable, but he also uses other, other yes. things. They're like, you look up in the stars and there's his truths are there. Yes. You look at the signs in the stars and the patterns in the stars, yes. they're there. You yes. look at God's Hebrew months and weeks and days, they're there. Yes. So the scripture says, if we're natural and we see these things, yes. if we can just discern what they mean, yes. we're, we're, it's, we're, there's no excuse. Yeah. Well, let me dovetail that. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 14 uh, set, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Now, here's what's exciting about this. Um, signs, God said the sun, moon, and stars are for signs and seasons. The word seasons is the same Hebrew word used in Leviticus for the feasts of the Lord. Literally, the, the signs of the sun, moon, and the stars are related to the feasts of the Lord. So what does that mean? Well, the, the word sign in Hebrew uh, means a signal. Now think of this, Kaz. The sun, the moon, and stars are signals, a flag, a beacon, a monument, an omen, a prodigy, evidence, a mark, a miracle, a sign, or a token. I believe that God wants us to be looking to the stars, looking to the heavens, 
which relate to the calendar of God, the feasts of the Lord, the divine appointments, in preparation for his coming. Yes. It is all interlaced. It's all coming together for such a time as this. Yes, yes, yes. And when I haven't had, I've had the opportunity not only to dig into the feasts and festivals, but God's months, yes. you know, and, and, and how those months not only dovetail with one another, but they also help us understand the feasts and festivals. Yes. And the feasts and festivals also help us understand the months, but I mean, he, his calendar is remarkable. Yes. Not oh. not the Gregorian calendar. No, no, His no. calendar. His calendar, calendar. And his calendar literally comes from the sun and from the moon and the divine dates of the seasons or the feasts of the Lord and, and the pictures that are even in the heavens. A lot of people don't know this, but I believe that the even the 12 uh, signs or pictures in the heavens— 12 is an interesting number, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it's not, you know, 9 or 14. It's 12— and the, Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us that uh, the the tradition was passed down through the Jewish people that God had given you know a a plan uh, to Seth of the signs in the heavens that would point to the story of redemption. Yes, and so literally for many centuries, the Jewish people looked at the twelve signs as pictures of the twelve tribes of Israel. But each one of those twelve told a story. It's a story that's told in a circle. Yes, and it begins with a virgin. And it ends with a lion. And it, this is not horoscopes and, and astrology, because that was perverted by the devil. He wanted to say the stars are about you to tell you, you know, take this job, move here. No, the stars point to God. The stars point to the gospel. The stars point to the Lord. Yes. And it is all about him. It's yes. powerful. And, you know, one of the things that we really didn't approach uh, in this uh, two-hour show so far, and I want to just touch on it, they not only uh, talk about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ becoming one, but it also deals with the nation of Israel uh, as well. And I know you have a real heart cry for Israel as well. So God wants to make this term one new man, not only the Gentile church working in harmony with one another, but his Hebrews as well. So it's the Jew first and also the Greek. So my friend, the the big picture is all this is culminating during the Feast of Tabernacles. You see the United States and and Israel have an intimate relationship, and God's got to be thrilled about that. But my friend, we have to have, as as Gentile believers, intimate relationships growing with the Hebrews in Israel and beyond as well. Now, we're running out of time in this segment, but we're going to tie all this together in in the last segment of the hour, but I also wanted Pastor Ray spend some time talking about some of the books that you have written or are in the process of writing mm-hmm. on, on one uh, that I think has other chapter, other uh, other portions to it coming soon. Yes. But I uh, want to tie all this together because, my friend, if you come to know Pastor Ray like I am coming to know him, you realize he's a personification of the things that he teaches. Mm. And the things that he teaches are the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God wants us to be as Christ, as his Christians now. So the more that we can consume in his word, the more we can be like him. We're going to talk more about that with Pastor Ray. What an honor to have you as a co What a pleasure it's been. Time listener, has flown. <laughs> it has. And we've got one more segment. And guess what? Pastor Ray and I will be right back. Yes, we will. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Back again with Ray Bentley, the lead pastor of Maranatha Chapel, but also an author extraordinaire. I added the extraordinaire part because that's my observation of you, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love 
your writing, and I love the way that you think about things. I mean, it's enticing. We've been talking about the feasts and festivals, and we landed on this final series of feasts, the Feast of Tabernacles, which mm-hmm. includes that blow, blowing of the the shofar, yes. which it, we, we would call it Yom uh, Teruah or Rosh Hashanah, which means the head of the month. Yeah. Yep. And, th- and then it goes, the time frame right after that, when the books are opened, that's called uh, the uh, days of all day, days of atonement, the day of well days of awe to the yeah. day of atonement, right? And then you have the big time, big time, big time celebration, celebration thereafter. Yeah. Now this ties into your book. I, 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 you know, I've only got to chapter five, but I know your style. Yes, uh, and I also know your love for the festivals. I yeah. also know your love for Jewish history. So I'm r- just maybe write the first one third of the book, but I. I know, I know how, where you're going, but I have no clue exactly how you're going to get there. That's what makes it enticing. So I'm going to hand the baton to you because I want you to tie your, you know, your the Cyrus mandate to what we're talking about now. It's the feast. It, this is the final, most remarkable feast. Yes. It's, some may say, rightly so, the wedding festival and feast time frame yes. from a biblical standpoint. So uh, lay this on us. Yeah, you know, in in a way, the final uh, three feasts they they they're grouped together in the fall. And they, they also speak to the various aspects or phases of the second coming of the king. Uh, the Feast of Trumpets literally was the call from the, the corner of the temple. They would blow the trumpet and the shofar, and all those who were in their fields doing the agriculture, it was the final ingathering of the harvest. Yes. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. So from, you know, you have the first four feasts, Christ crucified on Passover, buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread, rises from the dead, the first human being to rise from the dead righteously for eternal life on the first fruits uh, feast. And then 50 days later, Pentecost. Well, after the first four feasts, there's no summer feast per se. And that represents the summer harvest. Yes. So that's been 2,000 years. God bringing a Jew and a Gentile and making one new man. But we are getting to the end. I believe this is going to be the greatest part of the harvest, uh, where literally the Bible says there is a number from every nation, language, kindred, and tribe, so great, so vast, they don't even put a number on it. And that's where we're at right now. It's all about the final harvest, bringing it in, the trumpet that sounds, and then you're there with the Lord setting up for the tabernacles. How, how many people have longed, the Bible talks about it, the prophets and so forth, longed to see this day, yes. but we not only get to see the day, but We're living God it. has plunked us right in the yeah. middle of this. How did? Why? We didn't deserve it? Uh, it's just God's amazing grace. Truly, there are multitudes of believers, even among the prophets themselves, who longed to live to see the things we are seeing and living today. Yes, but the other, the other thing which falls on our shoulders is that it's important to get it right. I mean, it's important not to be la- la- lazy or la- right. lackadaisical, you know, because the scripture that that stirs me the most are the five wise and the five foolish, foolish yes. virgins. We oh, don't want to yeah. be foolish in this time. No, you have to know that your time. You have to know what time it is in order to fulfill your divine assignment yes. in life. If you don't know what time it is, you're going to miss it. And it's high time to wake up out of our sleep. Yes and to know what God's calling us to do. My, my, my. So, so you're a pastor. You've had, you, you know, you've every, yeah. every day, you, you've got a broadcast as well, in yeah. addition to your two Sunday morning services and services all through, you know, the closer it gets to the weekend, the more activated you guys are. <laughs> it's amazing. But you, you've had to do face-to-face communications and c- encourage people to get, you know, they yeah. sit in, they, they sit for an hour or so or a 
blessed to listen to you, but that can't be the end of their no. uh, relationship with God. No. In fact, that's maybe a springboard to launch them forward. So especially because you know the sign of the times, this is a time for people to get out of the the, the pews and get activated by what yes. they're calling you. So how, how do you communicate this with your people so you can communicate it with our radio people? Well, I think that right now, this, you know, this year, 2020, and with the virus, and originally you couldn't even come to church. For, you know, for, there was a period of several months there where we were just doing things online. So th- what I think is healthy about that is that God is, is wanting every one of us, our, our home has to be our sanctuary. Say it that has, again, because that's exactly perfect for right now. Yeah, your home needs to be a living church, a living sanctuary for your spouse, your children, uh, your whoever lives with you, uh, it, it, we this is the day of house churches. That's the way it was in the book of Acts. They didn't have buildings, and certainly the synagogues weren't letting them come in yet. Paul hadn't gotten around, so um, they they met from house to house. Now they did meet in Solomon's porch. Yes. Now there could be thousands of people, and and your place outside our, of your church is called the is Solomon's porch. <laughs> but it's the combination. Yeah. You've got to have both, and so we need to be able to read the word daily, morning and evening, in our home, and we need to pray in such a way that we hear the still, small voice of God. Um, Especially these next few years, we need to be able to navigate specifically, God, what are you saying to me? Yes. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to live? Should I participate in this, which is being handed out, uh, or not? And and we're responsible. Because the Bible does say in the last days there will come a great delusion mm-hmm. that, if possible, would deceive even the elect. Yes, yes, and Jesus yes. said, he warned us, do not be deceived. Right. And there's a lot of deception going on these days, oh, there, so there, there, that's why you need to have both edges of the sharp sword of the Word of God, prayer, intimacy with him daily in prayer, and be led by the Spirit. So let me ask you a leading question here. God has given you a word for this year, so <laughs> so what's that word for this year? Well, the word, with, with yeah, every year, every year, you know, around December, I... Uh, November, December, I start praying, Lord, what is the word for com- the coming year? And the word God, you know, gave to me just immediately was prepare. Okay. So from the things that I had been seeing and everything that was going on, I was like, we need to prepare. Little did I know how appropriate the word prepare would be for what 2020 has become. And it has so many so many different layers, that word prepare, doesn't oh, it? Spiritually, yeah. naturally, uh, relationally, <laughs> uh, biblically, uh, yeah. so many different layers. We do. Yeah, look. We need to prepare for what, you know, may come. I mean, we were locked down. I remember, you know, going to the store, and all of a sudden there's no toilet paper? What's that all about? Uh, there were certain things, canned items you couldn't get. So they're saying again, well, we could have, you know, more trouble as we move into the new year. Uh, and and so, hey, get prepared. Whatever God leads you to, there's no, uh, you know, formula for everybody. You have to pray Hear the Lord. What is God saying to you? We need to prepare physically and mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Yes. And so you're a pastor, and I have had an opportunity to observe you. I'm not a pastor. I guess you could identify me as a teacher. Yes, but, but you're not definitely a, a teacher. But, but not, not a pastor because you have, you know, you know, you have the zeal of preaching and teaching, but you also have the compassion that few really have. You know, I can go, you know, I love you, I love you, and I'll see you next week. And you go, I want to make sure that your week is going well. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference between a pastor and perhaps a teacher or some of the other people that are, are doing ministry. You go deep into relationship with people. So um, 
you're talking to a bunch of people that typically uh, they may be going to church, they may not, they may not even know the Lord Jesus Christ on their own relationship. What have you to tell them about the topic of being prepared, Ray Bentley? Well, first of all, you do need to be prepared with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. Um, the Bible says, you know, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into them and will sup with them, fellowship, have a meal. In Jewish culture, what that men- means is when we eat together, we become family. And the Lord is saying, I want, I want to be your family. I want to be your Savior. And um, prayer is a way of opening your heart. And, and confessing your sins. I mean, it's kind of obvious that we're all broken. Yes. Seven, all seven billion people, it's not hard to admit the obvious. We're incomplete, uh, we're broken, and we've done things we wish we hadn't done, said things we wish we hadn't said. So be honest. Yes, That's the way to heal is, is just say, Lord, I've, I, forgive me. I am sorry for everything I've done wrong. So I give my life to you. I, I, I thank you that you love me so much you died on the cross in my place. And I ask you to come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. So that's the first thing to prepare. So we're about ready to uh, end this two-hour broadcast. Amazing, huh? Amen. So yeah, uh, I want to encourage my listening friend to go to Amazon.com yes. and put in the Cyrus Mandate uh, and the name Ray Bentley. You will get the third of the five yes. with the Cyrus Mandate, but the other two are? Uh, on the Mountain of the Lord yes. is the first book kind of sets the stage and the characters of Jack Garrison and Bet Diekman. And uh, the second book is called On the Threshing Floor. Yes. And um, it's all about Israel, Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, the coming of the King of Kings. <laughs> it's awesome. And my friend, if you want to, you know, get into the feasts and festivals gently, yeah, then get his three books because he doesn't mess around. He he uses the he refers to them frequently. So my listening friend Ray Bentley and I have had just a great time sharing with you about his new book series, The Last of the Three, The Cyrus Mandate. I want you to go to Amazon.com and dig it out, Ray Bentley, and I can tell you what it's been really a joy communicating with my friend ray but also communicating with my friends y-o-u so we'll see you next week on come together san diego thanks for joining Cass tater and his many friends including you for come together san diego join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of christ sounds like within this county and beyond on come together san diego Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Praise.